This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Won't you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12? I'm going to start reading um, from verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Just up to there. I want to speak to you this morning about something that I've titled. Can you hear me? Sorry, everything's all over. Just give me a minute. Kathleen, it's good to see you. I want to speak to you this morning about out with the old and in with the new. Out with the old and in with the new. Out with the old and in with the new. They had a rally, a motor car rally in Africa. And it used to go from Cape to Cairo. And if you're a rally car driver, there are two people that you have to have in the car. The driver and the navigator. Okay? The navigator's not interested in doing any of the driving. And the driver's not interested in any of the navigation. They each have their function. The thing is that you have to have a navigator there because the navigator knows the journey. It's a long way because you're crossing the, the entire continent. And so the responsibility of the navigator is to sit and say, this is our starting point and this is where we need to end up. And it plots the course of the rally. And the purpose of the navigator is to sit there and it, it give direction to the driver. To give direction to the driver. The driver is listening to the navigator because ultimately they want to win the race. That's the purpose of it. Each of us is running our own race. And we are running to win our race. What does that look like? It means that I realize the fullness of everything that Christ has provided for me. That's what your race is about. It's working towards realizing the fullness of that. There are parts to who we are and what we're all about where we're looking and for more of what God is. And I want to put myself in a place where I realize the fullness of what he's provided for me. And it's important for us to understand that God being the very one who created us is the one who knows what our destiny and our purpose is in life. So it's really difficult for us to find fulfillment and to realize what our calling is outside of relationship with him. Because he's the one who did it. We are designed and innately within us is a hunger to work together with God to fulfill that. We started speaking last week about things called gateways. Along our journey of life, what we're going to discover that there are points of invitation. There are going to be places where God's choices are going to be presented to us and God is looking for a response on our end. At that point, God is sitting saying, I, I, I'm introducing and inviting you to step through this gate into something new. What do you want to do? Our calling in life is intricately interwoven with relationship with God. You can be rich, you can be famous, you can be powerful, you can be successful, but you can still never realize your calling and realize what your purpose is in life. The only way that we get to discover that is when we work in relationship with God. What Jesus has provided for us is everything that we need. And so when God speaks to us and he offers us choices, what he's saying is, I've provided and there is full provision through grace for everything that you need. And so what I'm extending to you is a choice. I'm saying to you, would you like to step through this gate? And when we step through the gate is when we realize God's provision for our life. 
The important principle is this. God is looking for a partnership. God is looking for us to partner with him in going forward. You don't need to provide anything. Grace has done that for you. What he's looking for is he's looking for us to be able to take our will and to be able to partner with him and sit and say, I recognize the invitation that you've extended to me. I appreciate the choice that's been provided. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to step through that gateway so that I can move closer to my destiny and who it is that you've called me to be. So I can realize the fullness of my purpose and what I'm all about. Who wants more of God? 11 of us. The others are still waking up. I've got a better excuse than you. I've been up since quarter to two. So, we want more of God. I want to speak to you today about how God positions us and on our journey with him, he's going to work with us so that we are positioned to experience more of what he has provided for us. We started last week to speak about the fact that in Romans chapter 8, it speaks, I think, verses 29 and 30. What it speaks about is that God foreknew us and God chose you and that God has predestined you to be conformed to the image of Christ. And once he had done all of those things, he came and he called us. It was a choice that he extended to us. He sat and said, here's gateway number one. Do you want to step through it? And we had to make a decision at that point. And when we said yes, and we stepped through that gateway, what ended up happening is he saved us. And the result of him saving us is that his grace, which was a gift to us, came in and we received his righteousness. We were made righteous because of him. And as a result of that, his nature came and indwelt us. And we became a new creation in him. Something happened when I walked through the gateway. But he didn't just impute his righteousness to us. It's not only a righteousness that I'm supposed to have spiritually, but it needs to be something that he's looking for it to be able to come out and affect the rest of my being. It needs to be something that I begin to experience in my life. And because of that, he leads me to gateway number two. In Romans 1 to 11, speaks about the Christian life. And how fabulous it is. It speaks about the Christian life and all that God has created for us. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, how grace has made provision in its full sufficiency for everything that we could possibly want and need. And at the end of chapter 11, going into verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, Therefore, what he's saying is, because of everything that I've done for you up until this point, I'm going to ask something of you, which is your reasonable service. It's gateway number two. And what he says is, will you give me your body? Will you give me your body? It's important to understand that God is on a mission because he wants to to have an effect and influence our entire being. Not just spirit, but spirit, soul, and body. The reason that he asks for our body is because we have been bought with a price and we are no longer our own. And what he wants us to move to is a a position where we sit and say, I recognize what Jesus has done for me. I recognize the price that he has paid for me. And as an act of worship, what I'm prepared to do is I'm prepared to sacrifice myself, but still continue to live. It becomes important because the intention of God is that the word become flesh and dwell among us. I can't make the word flesh. Only he can. And so 
what I can do is I can take what I have. I can take what is mine. I can take my flesh and I can sit and say, I surrender it to you. I sacrifice it to you, even though I will continue to live. I'm offering you the opportunity to have influence in this thing called my being, which gives me access to the natural world. You make the final decision over that. Consecration always comes before service. Consecration is moving away from the common and being set apart for divine service. What it says is, I'm changing my life. I no longer want to be natural. I recognize that there is something more that you have for me. And as a result of that, I'm prepared to take my body and move my body to a place where it is committed to service for you. It's an act of worship. Consecration makes us sacred. It doesn't make us holy. What it means is this. Consecration is sitting saying, I appreciate what you've given to me and I appreciate the gateway that you've made available to me. And as a result of that, I offer my body as an act of worship for you to do with what you want. It's set apart to be sacred, to be used by you. What he does with my body makes me holy. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5. Jesus is speaking and he says, I make all things new. I make all things new. When you go through gateway number two, the promise that's made to you is this. I'm going to do something in you that you're not capable of doing for yourself. I'm going to renew your mind. I'm going to give you a new mind. What he's saying is, I'm not going to give you the thoughts of God so that you can think about God. What he's saying is, I'm going to make your thought processes brand new so that you think like God. I'm not here to think the thoughts of God. I'm not here to have an existing way of thinking peppered with God's ideas. What he's saying is, I'm going to take your thinking and I'm going to take your thought processes. I'm going to take your mind and everything that constitutes your being in that, con- in that context. Your feelings, your ideas, your persuasions, everything, the way that you process information. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to make it brand new so that you think like God. I make all things new. The thing about newness is, can we just pull this? I've got a. The thing about newness is, it makes, it gets rid of the old in order to make provision for the new. If you lived in our house, you would know what newness is all about. Every now and every year, most people, if you speak to them, I don't know what it is about winter. I think everybody goes into hibernation and somehow they feel come spring, it's time for a spring cleaning. It's always a case of coming out of hibernation, get rid of all the old stuff, get rid of it because we're getting ready for summer. We live in a perpetual state of spring cleaning in our house. My wife is an avid spring cleaner. There is no seasonality to our spring cleaning. And in all that she does, she's always looking at things because things serve their function. And when they've served their function, it's out with the old and in with the new. With our kids, they reach a point because they're growing, particularly when you're young, 
When you're my age, you can wear a shirt for 45 years because you don't really change terribly much. If anything, you start to shrink instead of continue to grow. But at that age, you wear it for one season and something starts to happen and doesn't fit them anymore. And the thing about it is because the shirt doesn't fit anymore, I can't take the shirt. I can't modify the shirt. I can't adapt it and change it so it's still something that they're able to use in an effective way. So I have to throw it out so that I can bring in something new and I can give them a new shirt that they can use that fits them and is appropriate for where they are. They have toys like tricycles that they love and they enjoy. But they wake up one day when the tricycle doesn't fit them anymore. And so you can't take that and modify that so that a 14-year-old can ride his tricycle. You get rid of the tricycle so that you can get a four-wheeler. When they're young, they eat their Gerber baby food. And they love their Gerber baby food because I'm introducing them to solids. And I really enjoy that. But there comes a time in your life where you can't live with Gerber baby food anymore because your body is growing so much and it needs so much nutrition that you have to throw the Gerber baby food out and replace it with something new. There is a time in your life where you have to throw out the old and bring in the new. You cannot take it. You cannot remedy it. You cannot fix it. You cannot make it appropriate. You've to throw it out and bring in the new. I make all things new. Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 and 12 speaks about God in his, in when he's creating things. And what he says is, you will bear the fruit. Do you have that, Donna? And God said, let us bring forth the grass, the herb that yields its seed, and the fruit trees that yield their fruit according to its kind. The fruit according to its kind. What he's really saying is this. We reproduce according to our nature. Whatever your DNA is, you're going to give, you're going to reproduce according to that. Fruit is the product of the parent. The nature of the parent. That's why... For all they say about evolution, it doesn't really exist. Why? Because God set in process something called reproducing after your kind. What he was saying is we reproduce after our nature. So what happens is turkeys reproduce turkeys. You've never had a turkey that gave birth to an elephant. Why? It's not part of its nature. Now, there are changes that take place within species because we adapt to our environmental changes. But you don't have one species becoming another. And that's the missing link. The point is this. Our nature becomes really important because our nature begins to determine who we are and how we live. Fish swim because it's in their nature. Birds fly because it's in their nature. Apple trees produce apples because it's in their nature. When God created man, we lived from a place of authority because in our nature, our nature was in the image of the supreme being. We live from that place because it was in our nature to do so. The challenge with it is something happened called sin. And when sin came in, what ended up happening is our nature disappeared. Our nature was more than just having the the, the image and the likeness of God on the inside of me. It was the place from which I lived. 
It didn't just affect his nature coming outside of me. It affected our lifestyle and how we lived as man. That's when Jesus came on the scene. And Jesus said, I'm here to introduce you to something called redemption. Redemption says, you know what? I can't fix your nature. I can't get your nature to a place where it needs to be so that you can realize the fullness of everything that I have. The whole principle of redemption is all about out with the old and in with the new. Redemption is based on the principle that your nature cannot be fixed or remedied. There's nothing I can do with it. The only thing I can do is throw it out and I can give you my nature. And I become a new creation. Why? Out with the old and in with the new. Your righteousness is terrible. No matter what we did, we could never be righteous. So what he says is, out with the old and in with the new. I'll give you my righteousness. When it comes to making our mind renewed and making our mind new, what he's saying is, I can't take and remedy your old thinking. It's not just the thoughts that you think. It's the way that you think. It's the disposition. It's the whole way that your thinking has been established. You look like the world because you think like the world. You look and act and feel like the world because that is your disposition of your thinking. The only thing that I can do is get rid of the old and introduce the new. It's out with the old and in with the new. That's the whole premise of redemption. He's doing something on the inside of us that brings about change and transformation in who we are. You are partakers of his divine nature. What is he saying? As a result of what Christ has done, I'm going to do something inside of you that's going to change everything for you. And it's going to introduce you to the fullness of who you were originally designed to be. Not only in terms of who you are, but how you live. All things have passed away. All things have become brand new. And when he says all things, he means all things. He speaks about us as being the bride of Christ. When he speaks about us being the bride of Christ, what he's saying is, he is our husband. It's based on the idea that the two shall become one. We are to become one with him. Do you know what that's called? Holiness. You didn't think that, did you? (laughs) Holiness in church settings is the dirtiest word. (laughs) People don't like it. If you want to have a message on prosperity, you'll fill the place. If you want to have a message and a healing service, you won't be able to get in the door. But you tell people that you're speaking on holiness next week and you'll try and fill the front row. It's amazing how quickly people had to take a long weekend that weekend. Why? Because we have this disposition about holiness and we have this concept about holiness that's become so warped. It's really not representative of what it is. It's an idea that's been taken and it's been exploited by religion to get us to conform as opposed to being transformed. The reason we hate holiness is because anytime people talk about holiness, I can feel the constraints coming on. And I can feel you're going to tell me about how I should be acting and what I should be doing and how I should be reading my Bible 45 times a day. And everything's coming on me. 
Holiness has everything to do with Christ. What he's saying is, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. It's called redemption. It's called out with the old and in with the new. And the purpose of redemption is to introduce us to something called holiness. Wholeness and completion in him. So when he comes in and he makes me a whole new creation in my spirit being, what ends up happening? My spirit man becomes holy. Not because of me, but because of Christ. What does he say? He says, I'll tell you what. If you walk through this gateway and offer me your body and you prepare to sacrifice your body to me, what I'll do is I'll come in and I'll make your mind new. Why? Because I'm on a mission to holiness. And what I'm looking for is every part of your being to move to a place where we become one. What I want to do is I want to change your disposition and your way of thinking so that you become reflective of who I am. Because when you begin to live from that place, all of a sudden I'm moving into a a paradigm of holiness. I live from that space. I live from a place of holiness, which is all about Christ. Holiness is not what you do for yourself. Holiness is not any kind of restriction that comes as a result of a religious institution. Holiness is everything about Christ's influence in my life. How has he touched you and changed you in your spirit, in your thinking, and in the way you live and behave? In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus goes to John to be baptized. James chapter 1 verse 36 says that Jesus was without spot and blemish. What it means is Jesus was pure. He was the personification of holiness. Jesus the man is living from the anointing within the God life inside of him. Spiritually, he was in tune with God. He had the life of God inside of him. He lived from a renewed mind. He thought like God. And he lived in a body that was committed and and set aside for service from God. As a result of that, when he moved into the space and he came up to John, he said to him, John... I'm here to be baptized. And John looked at him and he became aware of his need. It was a spiritual understanding in John where he looked at Jesus and he, was, he saw the purity of him. He saw the holiness of Jesus. He could sense it spiritually. And he recognizes the fact that You have what I need. And what he says to Jesus is, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. When we recognize our need, we'll come face to face with holiness. When you recognize your need, you'll come face to face with holiness. Our invitation to walking with God is this. I'm in the process of renewing your mind and making it brand new. And so every time you encounter something and you suddenly sit and say, I don't know that I can do this. You've just run into your need. You've just run into your need. And what he's saying is, no, you can't do it. But I'll tell you what, the greater one within you can do this. Do you want to meet up with him? I'm in that space to make you whole and to make you new. 
In that place of pain, in that place of anxiety, he was sitting saying, I don't know that I can carry on. I don't know that I have what it takes to be able to keep going. And he says, no, you probably don't. But I'll tell you what, if you come and meet me in this space, what you'll do is you'll discover my sufficiency. And what you'll do is you'll be able to walk into me coming into that place and doing something in that space that you're not able to do for yourself. Because he's in the process of making us whole and complete. He's in the process of making us holy. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, I don't need these. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. My grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. When God speaks about renewing your mind, he's not just talking about your understanding and your thought processes. He understands full and well that your, your decision-making stems from that place. He recognizes the fact that your feelings emanate from that place. He's talking about doing a comprehensive job. He's talking about introducing every aspect of your, of your soulish faculties to holiness. What he's saying is, every time you come to a place where you recognize the deficiency in your life, it's an opportunity for you to step into holiness, to sit and say, come into the space, Jesus, and make me whole and complete. We're on a journey. We're on a journey. It becomes important to us because truth introduces us to holiness. But when we live from a place of holiness... We position ourselves to be powerful. John chapter 15 and verse 7. Donna, you're slow on the draw here, man. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. If you abide in me, if your nature has been made new and is my nature and my words abide in you, Where do his words abide? In your soul. In your soul. My words are spirit and they are life. What he's saying is this. God, being renewed in your mind is an inside job. Being renewed in your mind is an inside job. When it talks about being transformed, it's using the process of metamorphosis. What it's saying is he's wanting to do something on the inside of us that moves us to a place where our outside begins to reflect the reality that exists in our new nature. And it's something that the Holy Spirit is going to do. We can't do for ourselves. But then how does it happen? Words. Words. The Bible refers to the word as sperma or seed. And what it's saying is, as we spend time with the Holy Spirit and we allow him to take the word and to allow the word to come in and digest it, what will end up happening is it carries within it spirit and life. And it brings about change and transformation on the inside of us. It begins to change our way of thinking. It's nothing we can do. It's something that he does for us. I'm not able to change the way that I think. I can get ideas about God and add it to my thinking, but I can't change the fundamental structure of how I think. That is the the 
objective of what he's trying to achieve through the word. He's trying to bring congruence to my whole being. He's trying to get me spirit, soul, and body at a place where I live from a place of holiness, which is Christ defining every part of who I am, every part of how I think, every part of how I feel, every part of how I behave. It's all about Christ in me. If you have a look at um, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10. Yes, Donna! Put, Put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. We are to put on the new man. We are to put on the new man. When he talks about be renewed, basically what it is is, in the original Greek, renewed is about present tense, continuous, that happens as a result of an outside force and results in life that is created that wasn't there previously. The inference is that it's superior to what existed before. What God is saying is this. Because of his love for us and what Jesus has provided for us, he's taking us on a journey where he wants us to discover what it is to be immersed in Christ. Every part of who we are. Spirit, soul, and body. He's moving us to a place where we move into the fullness of who he is and we allow that to define what we're all about. It's a work that the Holy Spirit does. It's not a work that we do. But what he's doing is he's giving us direction, he's giving us invitation, and he's presenting us with choice. And we have to make a decision whether we prepare to partner with God or not. It's not because of what we do. It's because of what he has done. It becomes something that becomes so important to our lives because when we understand that principle, we understand that it positions us in a place of power. One of the things that's become so much, very much in the forefront of my mind is how do we move to a greater realization of the miraculous and the supernatural? And I think the secret lies in holiness. Allowing him to redefine all of those spaces. Our choices are powerful. The the thing that's interesting about it is that really what we're presented with is the notion that it's an all or nothing deal. You're either in or you're out. He doesn't choose that. We do. He's he's made provision for it. It's, It's all there. What I find with a lot of Christians is I'm very gung-ho to get born again. And I love that idea. And we get born again and we have the life of God on the inside of us. But then partnership with God becomes a little wishy-washy after that. Because it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Do you want to commit your body? You prepare to say, I'm prepared to sacrifice it to you? A lot of Christians say yes, but they're not prepared to really. 
having our mind renewed is a process of intentionality, of sitting saying, I'm looking for that to happen. And so I'm positioning myself with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God because I understand that the Word of God is what's going to change me and the Word of God is what's going to come in and bring about a new way of thinking. It becomes important for us because what God says is that a house divided against itself cannot stand. I can't have God in my spirit, but not in my mind and having an independent body. The challenge with it is that part of the reason that I struggle to walk into the things of God, because what ends up happening is I end up double-minded and I can't receive anything from God. It puts me at a place where I live from unbelief. I live from unbelief and the definition of unbelief in that context is not having divine persuasion. It's because I'm disjointed. God's in a part of me, but not in the other parts. The other parts are still thinking as as the way that they used to work. So what ends up happening is I'm struggling to have divine persuasion about what God's wanting to do in this situation because those parts which haven't been made new are all screaming about the world. And what ends up happening is they come into conflict with the good news, the gospel. And it compromises my ability to step into things. So we end up having to make choices about how we want to move forward with God. The life of God is wonderful. The life of God is exciting. The full provision has been made for everything that we need. But we have to make choices along the way. Sometimes it's not the most comfortable of messages. Everybody wants to get excited about love. Everybody wants to get excited about grace. Everybody wants to get excited about faith. All of those things are great and they're very important and they're valuable. But the thing is I have to understand how I can partner with him. But it's not just a God of convenience. I want to live my life the way that I want to live it. But when I suddenly need something, it's like, okay, God, now I I just kind of, I need you to intervene in my life at this point. God, because of his grace and his mercy, does incredible things when we don't even deserve it. It's not something that puts us at a place where we feel as a Christianity compromises our ability to walk into the fullness of what living is all about. It actually should elevate our standard of living. God has put you in the world to enjoy it. The thing about it is the fullness of who we were designed to be was to really live from a place where we are in the world, but we are of him. And we marry the two, and the two come together. You all look very serious. God loves you more than you will ever know. And I can tell you now, if you haven't missed it yet, you will miss it at some point. But take consolation in the fact that, you know what? It's okay. He never stops loving you. The wheels don't come off. And he's like, okay, you ready to keep going? Now let's just keep going. That's where he is. It's okay. The thing about it is we give the impetus. We decide whether we want to go forward with God or stop. But he never leaves us. He's always there. My encouragement to you is this. We could go to incredible places with him. 
There are great things that can be done and experienced. There are great degrees of fulfillment that can be realized. But we only get to experience that stuff based on our willingness to be able to sit and say, Father, you know what? I'm prepared to surrender everything to you. I want to move to a new place, a new paradigm. I don't want lukewarm Christianity. I want something that is life-giving and transformational. I want to know that when I lay hands on the sick, they're going to recover. Why? Because these signs should follow those who believe. I want to be a believer. Bring me to that place so that I know and I live from the confidence that when I look and I see things, I'm seeing with your eyes. I'm sensing with your compassion. I'm feeling your energy and power. And I'm looking to be able to introduce something of you into that situation because I'm in partnership with you. Living from a space where we surrender our bodies, our minds to him. It should be the most exciting thing. Because we introduce the supernatural into the natural. And we live from both paradigms. That is an exciting place to live. Father, you're just such a good God. I thank you for all that Jesus has provided. I want to thank you for redemption. I want to thank you that you're in the process of throwing out the old and introducing the new. I want to thank you that the baggage and the rot and everything else that's defined us before is totally inconsequential in your economy. And I want to thank you that you don't try and clean it up and fix it. Garbage is garbage. Never smells good and never looks good. But I thank you just throw it out and you replace it with something that's of you. We thank you for the opportunity to live from a place of holiness. Thank you that you have so much love for every part of who we are. That you're just wanting to invade our lives. I want to thank you. It's not just limited to our spirit. But you want to change the way we feel and the way we think and the way we see. The way that we experience and process the things of life. I thank you that it becomes a springboard to supernatural living. I pray for opportunities this week, Father, for every person here. I pray right now that you'll set them apart and set them up for opportunities to be able to take part of who you are and introduce it to circumstances and situations. I bless you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.